just uh, waste the channel hot. I think we've seen one goal out of the five games because we kept fucking channel hot. <laughs> <laughs> on a Saturday afternoon, uh, way back in the day, when we used to watch like the scores, um, obviously there's never any live games over on three o'clock on a Saturday. But there's there's a Welsh channel, is it like S4C or something? Uh, um, there was always a Welsh game on live at three o'clock. So as soon as the scores went to the adverts, they used to put the Welsh football on. What was that? It was a while ago with Twitter with the Welsh team. What was that again with the radio? Uh, TNS. Oh, TNS. Uh, oh, they had a radio station that just played the same song on repeat over and over again. Remember that? Fuck the, the forty-five minutes of action each half. It was just that same song would look. In fact, if you go to the website <laughs> now, that song is probably played. Dancing on the streets of TNS. Was that when Stevie played them? Because I, I was at the game and I had no idea what your top what user were all going on, going on about, and then obviously eventually realised it's because you were, well, you're listening to the radio, which was, I don't know how good the commentary was, or it was just on playing tunes or whatever. He just kept uh, reading out all of the tweets. So, like, we're tweeting about, like, Jamie being a, a, a helicopter engineer and all that to them, and they were just reading them out constantly. <laughs> Basically, every um, single thing. They do in that show came for us in some way. Like, it was fucking hilarious. What a day I wonder what it's like on a weekly basis. Like, do they just have no tweets or that every every other game? Do <laughs> <laughs> we think they made it big that week when they were getting all these tweets for you? Reading it. Do realise that it's five or six 30 year old men just sitting in their houses tweeting TNS? <laughs> Once you get everyone, think we got a shout out. Way! <laughs> <laughs> Oh, feels like it's been ages since we've done this. We have, we have missed a week. We have missed a yeah. week, so uh, we should probably address that. We'll, we'll blame who will we blame for it this time? Was it Sean's fault? Burnsy's fault? No, nah, I was at the hydro for my watch thing, mate. Sure, it was Burnsy's fault. But did you go to that Burnsy? Was it good? Uh, it was all right. I was I was a drinker of that, but uh, oh Christ, sure. No, it was. It was fine. They just uh, they just said like. Tokens for drink, and then through the back, they had like. I heard there was a silent band disco. A band in the mid. Aye, there was a silent disco and then games and stuff like that. But I didn't go in the silent disco because I wasn't smashed. So. <laughs> silent <laughs> disco. Quite a lot of shit, man. Honestly, I'd give that. A I got invited into the Bristol one, and I was like, "There's no. F- no, sorry, no Bristol. It was like, it's in London, but in Bristol, I was like, there's no fucking way I'm getting on a flight to go down there. I didn't even cross the mind that you could have actually went. <laughs> Ah. I completely forgot that you work there. You work with the same company as me. Just talk to each other every other day, speaking here every couple of weeks, and you didn't even know that he's worked together. It shows so much. It shows so much. I've not done that in ages, to be fair. Uh, so it shows so much. Me and you actually talk about workload together. Obviously, Chloe got better things to do, like Less. talk about romance. Talk about Good segue, Burnsy. Thank you. Excellent. I'll just cut the music in. Sorry I don't speak moron as well as you, but let me try. What the hell is supposed to do, you moron? It's a moron. That's not against the law. Gun! You fucking moron. Stop like Batman. Because he is Batman, you moron. What are you, a fucking moron? You moron. Drop dead. Moron. Whoa. Stepping morons like yourself. Be down, you moron! A moron! <laughs> Separate all that, but no, welcome in. You can uh, call me Eat an... if you want. <laughs> Sorry, Bunsy, I'll, I'll not do the welcome or the intro. You, Bunsy, you give us, a, give us the intro this week, please. All right, okay. 
Are you not going to tell tell people what the film's about? Because I'm rubbish. At You're going to do that, so. You're doing it. I'm not going to tell you that. I'll just go into it. Um, so, this was the first film that I watched when I was uh, first trying to get into movies because of Daniel. You suggested it, I think. But film was tell folk what film it is. I already gave you that. I said it was going to be a bit too romance. <laughs> I already said that earlier. That was why. Anyway, so the film that I chose was True Romance because it was my scene film and I've watched very few movies, so it was a limited choice that I had to choose between. It was either that or a shot at glory, basically. So, true romance this time, and then I might get shot at glory next time. Um, second watch for me, first time I watched it was when it was in going into lockdown. See, so Daniel suggested it to me, and I think that's really what got me into films because if I was suggested a one that I didn't enjoy, like No Country for Old Men or something, then. I would have just pied nah. at that stage. <laughs> that, was, that was a downgate. <laughs> I would have just pied at that stage. So I'm glad uh, a good one was picked on first for me to view the first time. Um, so I've just got my general thoughts on the movie. I'm not going to go in and tell people what True Romance is about because everyone will know. Um, and the clues a bit in the title. It's about romance and crime. Um, I don't know what I cut you off, Lindsay, but it's not really that a mainstream film, to be honest. It no, really isn't it? Not. I just no. assumed it was because it was probably... It's, a, it's an obscure film to be watching as one of your first uh, movies, to be honest. I had, like, obviously, I kind of came to movies a wee bit late. Um, and it was someone that recommended it to me. I'd never even fucking heard it. You know, there's, a, there's, like, an action movie called True Lies, I don't know, that yeah. rang a bell. Mm-hmm. I thought that's what it was. It was like, I'm not watching that. I, yeah, I'm not watching that shit. But, uh, it's not that well-known. Because it's obviously Tarantino. Um, but he didn't direct it. Obviously, it'd be a lot more fucking well known if that was the case. Mm-hmm. Why did you pick it for me, Daniel? Then going to that. Um, so at this point, you had barely seen any films, and the reason yeah. I picked *To the Man's Beauty Watch* is I think it's universally likable. Yeah. So there's so much happening in it. It's quite hard. Yeah. Even if you've never been into films, I think it's a very good entry into what films could be essentially. Mm-hmm. The only thing I would say is it is really violent. There is oh. a lot of violence in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember once um, I watched it with uh, Leslie and then Leslie's sister and her man. Her man really, really enjoyed it, but Leslie's sister hated it. The, the scene where well, we'll go into it, but there's, obviously there's a really, really violent scene in it and she just hated it. She was like, I can't watch this. But uh, it's... It was think, one of the uh, things... I, I... you go. One of the things that um, I always think about this, because you mentioned Tarantino, I think if Tarantino actually directed this, it would have been too violent and too. Yeah. I think, like, seeing the big shootout scene at the end and all that, and mm-hmm. when that happened, if it was Tarantino, Aye. there'd be blood baths and things like blood spotting the folks' necks, and like, it'd be and too. That, yeah. the top I see it that's quite over the top, too, if you think yeah. about it, but. I mean, you're right enough. But where does this come in, like, the order of films that he's involved in? Or Reservoir Dogs is the first. Yeah, so this is not included in the the 10 Tarantino films or whatever. No, I know that, but what I mean is, like, when, obviously, he might have had it in the works for a long time. Ah, well, this was 93, so... Reservoir Dogs was, like, the 80s, was it not? Like, early 90s, very early 90s. Aye, so I think he must have sold the screenplay, obviously, long before that eventually made it to the screen, but 
because I'm like, I know obviously Reservoir Dogs was really like an independent movie, but I just don't know how it didn't end up being a Tarantino directed movie. I, I've not, I've not really read enough about it recently to know why so that I happened. A, I watched a little video earlier today talking about how this was a, um, this and Natural Born Killers was a story that he wrote that got separated into two movies. The they were both presented to the guy that directed them and he picked one Tarantino and took the other, essentially. Well, this guy could have a good shot. I watched that arm. Natural Born Killers. I know, I watched it not that long ago. Oh, it was trouble. Like. It should be good as well because I love Woody Harlow's in it and I love Juliette Lewis and it should be good, but it's just shite. I don't know why it's so shite. Uh, yeah. I very much enjoyed this. Tell us more about why you liked it, Burnsy. Um, aye, so I think the first thing which I noticed when I was watching it is I was surprised by how much I must have been completely glued to it the first time because I've not got the best memory when watching films that I've spotted. Like we can, sometimes when we're talking about a film, you can mention it. I can't remember one thing about it. And I've only, as I say, this is only the second time watching it. And there were so many scenes which, I knew what was coming next, not the dialogue or whatever, but I could remember what, how the storyline was going. So that also proves that I must have been completely invested in it the first time I watched it. Um, and I was completely the same the second time as well. It's like I thought the same track was top drawer, which I didn't really pick up the first time. But I think obviously yeah. because you click on the movies, the more you watch them. Um, whereas for me, you could have had silence or loads of music throughout it. And when I was first beginning to watch it, I wouldn't even click on any of that stuff. So... Um, that was definitely good. As I don't know if some, I don't know if either you will say this or um, other people might have this view, but even though at the start how it seems they just basically they meet and they get married really quickly, like that didn't bother me whatsoever. Whereas I think if it was a film which I didn't enjoy so much, I would be fine trying to find plot holes and saying, "Ah, well, didn't like that," but they should have gave a bit more detail behind it, etc. When you mentioned about the um, the violence in it, is I knew the end scene was coming, obviously, because I could remember it, but I was surprised by how short it actually, like, not because it felt short when I was watching it, but they seemed to have fit so much into the ending because I looked at, I looked and there was only 10 minutes to go, and this was before even any gunshots were fired, I'm sure, which to me is a good thing because... Sometimes we watch films and the ending just like like takes so long and they don't know how to end it, etc. It just led up to a crescendo and then because the thing is you wouldn't have like you wouldn't have that scene going on for twenty minutes or whatever. It's not going to last that long in real life to me. It's like it's going to be over and done with really quickly with the amount of gunshots and whatever. So and I really enjoyed that. Even it didn't get to the stage where there was too much too much of it for me as well, which is sometimes one of the one of the issues I've got with films. Um I think too is like it was a perfect blend for me of like romance, crime, and there was some funny moments in it as well. I thought that the scene where Clarence's father and the guy that's in charge of the gang and and his um was that a was that a caravan he was staying? I can't remember what he was staying at. Yeah, uh, a trailer. It's like a trailer. That's what we call it. I, he's right next to the train tracks, it's literally like there's fucking trains gone. That, I mean, that I, is a bit of the imagination. Like, the trains keep going by all the time, which I've watched this movie, I don't know, about 20 times probably, start to finish. I'd never noticed that before, how many trains actually go past. Mm-hmm. But the more I see it, I'm like, 
it must be like it happens like just when he kind of waves goodbye to Clarence and then another yeah. train comes right after it and I think it's like a metaphor obviously of what's about to come like you just care he's just going to get fucking obliterated basically <laughs> like, <laughs> um, I, I thought that was pretty clever like I thought that scene though with him his dad yeah. and like, that was like completely class and it did seem hilarious I, it was hilarious but it was like was that shot on one take? Because, or not one, oh. one, not one take. Sorry, was because when I was watching it, was that all one scene? There wasn't like there didn't seem to be used to the switched, and then they could have like done part of it. No, it no, it's, really long, it's all it? one scene. Now. No, that, one that's scene. Really, yeah. It's all one thought, go basically. Yeah, and I I couldn't. He, actually he, he opens the door to his trailer, and then basically he's just standing there, and um. I can't remember, but somebody puts a gun to his head and then that's thing, the fist comes yeah. across mm-hmm. and, yeah. um, and then a kind of cuts and then the next bit he's in the chair. Um, and then, uh, they, do, they say something in Italian about mm-hmm. the dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, Romo, the dog's called Romo. And obviously I think it must mean they're going to kill the dog, which I don't really know why they do that, but obviously yeah. they're just that ruthless. Um, and then basically it's Gandolfini standing behind him. And you know what the fuck's coming, eh? But uh, it's mm-hmm. class. The, the, di- the dialogue is just yeah, that's, that's what I was going to say. And I think as well, it's weird that that's from that will be my that's my favorite part of the film. But it's weird when you're watching a film that it's two people that aren't even main characters in it. That usually Not a bit. the reason that you've obviously you pick it out that much is because those two are like obviously they're not major characters in the movie, but they just absolutely steal the show. Mm-hmm. Um, Mister Walken is just like. Fucking okay. unbelievable. Yeah. And Dennis Hopper, like I've kinda of heard stuff about Dennis Hopper and obviously he was a crazy like into the drugs and all that and stuff, but um and this like he just that that kind of concerned father. Like mm-hmm. he like he's quite muted, I would say. And uh, and that back between the two, it's just like you can tell on his face when he's like when he's breaking his balls about them basically being spawned by uh, you know what's. Um, and you can tell yeah. in his face after he says that he knows what's coming. Like it's just genius, man. Absolutely genius. Yeah, yeah. He's already accepted that. Yeah. I would say that's in my top five scenes in any movie. Is that interaction between those two? I just think it's so perfectly done. Like I've got that written in my notes. I've got that written in my notes. It's one of the best <laughs> scenes in the movie. That's the eggplant scene. That's what I've written. Mm-hmm. And I think oh, as well, that's, that's one that. Um, I didn't really spot as much the first time because obviously I was just watching a film probably, but as now I'm sort of picking up more stuff as you watch, just in general. Um, and the other bit I liked was the fight with Alabama, and I don't even know the guy's actor's name. I just know it's the guy that plays Tony Soprano because I've watched yeah. <laughs> I've watched the Sopranos with Dubskill. That's why before you uh-huh. in case you and shock why I, who I even know who that is. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I thought that was like it was weirdly entertaining. I thought because. She's obviously, I thought she was really good in the film as well. I don't know who. Aye, she's tremendous. Patricia Arquette. Yeah. I would say she, because obviously it's her and um, Christian Slater that's the lead. And I would say she's fucking a million times better actress than what he is. He's not bad in it, eh? but there's just times when he's a wee Uh bit kind of, you can tell he's ready to smile and stuff like that. Um, Mm -hmm. I think they chose him a lot for the look. He's kind of got that, like, I don't know, kind of like that. We, he's a bit geeky and stuff like that, mm-hmm. the way he looks and stuff. A bit scruffy and that. Whereas she's just fucking absolutely sensational, man. Just super yeah. amazing. Yeah. That's the uh, part of James Gandolfini. The way she plays it, like, 
until if you take they take the sunglasses off. Yeah, and, yeah. The, and then you see the genuine fear that she's been covered uh-huh. up with like of the bad yeah. ones. Like little things like that are what set this apart for me. Because like he, the glasses come off and her acting, she's fucking terrified underneath it. Yeah. The glasses um, on, she looks confident as fuck. Like and aye, I know it's so small, but that's so fucking brilliant for me. Aye. And the thing with him as well, like obviously it's it's easy just to say like, how good Gandolfini is. But the weird thing about it is like he's smiling like all the way through it when he's talking to her and stuff like that, which is just like it's, it shows that like, he's psychotic, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's just, mm-hmm. why would you be smiling at that time? But it's just because, obviously, because he's got a wee hang for her at the same time, he, like, he's almost enjoys his work that much. It's just fucking <laughs> mental, like, but he's so good, man. That moment. A good thing he does as well is, like, and it's a great part of the script, is you get, you only get to see the, like, him acting two scenes out, and he's been a henchman cutting the guy's hand open early on, uh-huh. and then he's a violent, horrible man. And there's very little there to find out anything about him, but you learn enough that he goes, exactly. first time I killed somebody, it was a wee bit yeah. shitty. The second time it got a wee bit easier after this, and he explains how he's got to this point. of. Well, it's fl- I've actually made a note about that because I know obviously the Mason Sopranos loads of times, but there's a thing in the Sopranos where Chrissy uh, mm-hmm. is like having sort of nightmares because he's killed somebody. And Big Pussy in the Sopranos is kind of like explaining to him, the more you do, it'll get easier. I thought that was interesting that as a guy, the main character for Spanos is having that conversation like with uh, Trisha Arquette's character when she's like lying on the ground like deck basically but I thought that was really interesting that he made that reference um, but uh, he's just the thing is obviously it's a, it's, it's a similar character to Tony Soprano in one way but then because he's got that kind of dim-witted like henchman vibe as well where he's like he could just easily just like shoot her in the head and that'd be the end of it he's got the coke the coke is there he doesn't have mm-hmm. to fucking like how he does but yeah he's like because he's infatuated with a wee bit he's got to do that as well and obviously mm-hmm. that's why it's it is a wee bit removed because the one thing with Tony Soprano for all his like, flaws he was like a really intelligent guy in his sort of field and that's how he always got over on his kind of like enemies and stuff like that so I thought that it was just an amazing performance like so good I know that Kyle's not seen this have you seen this Sean? Uh, this is my second time watching it the first time I watched it it was Dubs that recommended it to me in the FIFA chat during lockdown. Sure. It was just after I watched uh, <laughs> Goodfellas for the first time. Uh, so this is my second time watching it. And, uh, and again, like I did, I enjoyed it the first time and I enjoyed it the second time. I could still remember the majority of what happened because it still feels pretty recent that I actually watched it. Uh, but I am just kind of echoing what you guys are saying. I've not really got anything exciting to add. I think this is going to be one of those podcasts that everybody just agrees that it's a good film and there's <laughs> and, and until we get Kyle's tuppence until we get <laughs> Mr. Agenda who just likes to not like the other folk like I'm just going to make a point before we move on to Kyle right that when he recommended <laughs> us Angry Men one of Kyle's favourite ever movies right we didn't shit in it I didn't go in with any preconceived ideas going let's try and find things up with this to try and annoy Kyle just gave an honest view and that was it uh, so, to be honest, it. Daniel, I I did that with, with I did that with this movie. You know what I mean? Like I sat there and made a, a film that I've seen countless times. I made notes. I tried to pick fault with it, and really, I'm I'm not going to kind of step on my rating or anything like that. But I, I, I couldn't really find many faults with it because it's no like a high concept or anything like that. Like obviously, there is holes in the plot to an extent, but 
there's not really many places that can go wrong if you see what I mean. It's a feel good story, but with the kind of violence and the kind of snappy dialogue thrown in, it's like, well, that formula is just it's always going to be a winner. You know what I mean? I, I think that's almost as a perfect film. One of the scenes you haven't mentioned yet that I wanted to talk about was Gary Oldman as the Excel. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> that was so good. Unbelievable. And like that scene where he's swinging the lampshade back and forward to him and they're having the wee yeah. back oh, and yeah. forth. Oh, the tension that builds up. But mm-hmm. it's also kind of funny. And like, you know, the, the way it's played, he's just a believable fucking nutter. Like, white yeah. guy that he's seen the making and like, yeah, his, his range is just, like, I don't think there's anybody with the range that he's got. I've seen a thing on Twitter about him, and it just had a picture of, like, all the parts that he's played. And he's played, like, Churchill. He's played, like, obviously, Drexel. Like, mm. He's played in, in uh, Hannibal. Is it Hannibal? The movie? He's, like, a kind of deformed, like... Yeah, um, yeah. Billionaire. Like, it's a terrible movie, but it's just, like, the guy can just do everything. Absolutely everything. Sensational. And you, I know you were saying about like there's a bit of humour in it as well. The Batman, obviously, there's a Richard Pryor movie on the big screen next to Clans when Clans is standing there, and he kind of changed the what uh, Gary Oldman changed the light on himself, and he's like, I know I'm pretty, but I'm not as pretty as a couple of titties, and there's like a big fucking massive pair of tits on the telly. <laughs> obviously, Clans hasn't spotted it. Eh? He's that I've got that, my, I've got that exact line in my notes. I thought that'd be a perfect name for the podcast this week. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty as a pair of titties. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should go to Hunter before Kyle because I'm worried that Kyle's going to be doing this. Did I just say Hunter? Did no, you he's get, not. Yeah, isn't it? Did you, was it just, did you, were you just getting told off for saying stuff or were you getting told off because the names of the podcasts that we're using? Was it just you saying stuff? Uh, it was bit? me. It was me. It wasn't the name of the podcast. It was so, nice. a little bit for that because, like, as I said, because Laura's mum. Uses a Spotify, so other devices that are linked to it in the house when it's subscribing. So when the episode would drop, it would be like insert fucking random title that we've used that would just pop uh, up. Listen, she's seen that title for Smashing Big Bobby, she was right on it. <laughs> and then also, enjoyed that episode. And then, what was the, I can't remember what I said there a week ago? I, I, was, I knuckled deep before the film, that, that one, the other week. <laughs> And then Laura's like, oh, I just awoke and I, I did not expect that any of us that foul fucking language coming out of your mouth. <laughs> I still think that you're shitting all over Point Break with hurts for more than you're talking about being knuckle deep. I know, and I hate the fact, she's obviously not listened to that episode on right at the end when I done the impression, she's not giving me a mouth for that yet, so. <laughs> <laughs> I'll cut it and we'll put it as a real Daniel, get that on Instagram. <laughs> All right, again, I am going to jump on the hype on Praise 2 here. This is a great film. Again... When was the first time you watched it, I think I it was back, back when it dropped on Netflix, and Laura had been at me to watch it for... It's her favourite film ever, and she there was at me to watch it, and then obviously it came on Netflix, so I kind of watched it the same time everyone else did, and I kind of was like blown away, first of all, to the point, it's that it was definitely. I mean, there's two films before I'd seen this for the first time. This in Casino, and I'm like, why have I never fucking seen these films before? Like, they fall right into my uh, sort of my lane for things that I enjoy when it comes to films. And obviously, the big names that's in this, obviously, well, I love Sopranos. You forgetting the fact that Samuel Jackson's only in this for one scene. We talk about <laughs> Gary Oldman's Drexel. Mm-hmm. He's only in it for like two scenes. And what's his uh, like? His line is something like. 
I eat the pussy, I eat the ass, I yeah, eat everything. Uh, yeah. I've got that. I've got that noted down as well. It's another fucking Sopranos reference, but that's yeah. the thing that they brought you over in the Sopranos. It's like an old school thing that it used to be like a sign of weakness if you gave uh, uh, cutting like this uh, as the male. Like, and I'd never really heard that before. No, I've never heard that until Sopranos. It was a south of the border of down Mexico. Uncle Jim doesn't want anybody gives world class head. It's like I just don't know where it comes from. I was saying they say about him, it's like I think if you suck that, you'll suck anything. And his girlfriend says it doesn't translate. It doesn't translate. Funny, like, uh, I, uh, it's definitely weird because I explained that to Ella about the joke because it's one of her favourite films as well um, and we watched it this time again and I was like oh you understand that reference it's just because it was seen as like weak if you were a fucking gangster you did not go down uh, for some reason for whatever yeah. reason it was seen as like being submissive I would imagine uh, but the way yeah. Samuel is just like nah fuck that I eat everything like yeah. fucking <laughs> 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 and then he's dead that's it. Yep, I know that's it. Uh, well, and there's a bad in Pulp Fiction where I think he's talking about giving foot massages or something like that as well, which kind of that him being in that scene in True Romance reminded me of his scene in Pulp Fiction when they thought about uh, Mrs. Wallace getting the fucking foot massage or whatever. And he's like, right. I, I'm the foot fucking master. <laughs> and that, that's a thing that if Tantino directed this, the, the, initial, feet, the initial sex scene. Alabama and Clarence would have been offbeat and fucking horrible shit happening that you would yeah. get to see. Like, it would be like that. What do, you think about the, what do you think about the sex scene? I'm intrigued to hear what you think about that. See, the very, very first time I watched this film, up until like after the sex scene, I was thinking, what the fuck is this? Like, I'm, I'm not going to enjoy this. And I thought it was, the very first time I saw it, I knew nothing about it and I thought it was going to be a straight up romantic movie. Yeah. Comedy, like mishap would happen, sort of thing. Um, but it quickly sort of makes you realise that's not what it's all about. But mm-hmm. I, it's very, it's, it doesn't fit with the rest of the film, is the way I would say. Do you, you think so? I, I don't I, know. I think I, I kind of felt the same way as you, I think, when I first watched it. But the more and more you watch it, I think it kind of, I think it just about fits in. Um, it's not over the top. I'd probably say the mayor, the, the, Phone box caught us is probably made in line than the love making scene. That's true, I have. The thing about the first sex scene as well, actually, the first sex scene, the, the song by Charles and Eddie, that, that fucking, that, that makes it like, uh, except for that. Like, I love that song that they play. It's just fucking tremendous, man. The, the okay. music, the, the Hans Zimmer music that plays throughout the whole movie. Yeah, yeah I was just going yeah. to say that there, that's fucking superb. And the fact that it's uh, also titled You're So Cool, too, which is. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. cool. I think it's yeah. the best piece of music that's continued throughout a film. If you know what I mean? Like, it's the same piece of music that, that defines the whole movie. Yeah, yeah, you don't really get bored of it or anything like that. No, no exactly. It's the same wee plinky plonky bit, but it just gets like a wee bit more urgent or like a wee bit more calm, depending on the situation, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. It, it yeah. changes ever so slightly with what's going on in between each scene. Yeah. Um, but fucking class. What? While we're talking about characters that have been mentioned, uh, the guy that's the fucking mole that wears the wire, uh, the wee fucking dick, that's the middle <laughs> man. Oh, fucking Bronson. I was going to say that. The scene where 
the cops catch him when he's got the, the, the packet of cocaine. The fact he's getting a blowjob with this, the cops go up the hill in the first place. Yeah, but yeah, I, th- I thought that was strange because, I mean, it must be a sort of, it's obviously like a sly dig at actors, I think. There's two things, yeah. two sly digs at actors, and that's one of them because obviously he's openly like sort of gay with the obviously movie producer guy. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of established. Yeah, he's getting a blowjob off like a very hot chick. At the same time, obviously, that must be a dig at like, actors when they just, uh, they'll just do anything, basically. He's obviously trying to, he's doing that with the movie producer guy to try and get ahead in his career. Uh, so I thought that was a dig, and obviously, the, the audition scene as well, uh, where, is it Michael Rappaport, is that his name? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And uh, his, his acting is so bad in that scene, mm-hmm. and yet they give up a part in like a, a movie, is it a movie or a TV show with Bill Shatner? And it's yeah. like, oh, I think it's a dig as well. It was, it was terrible. There's no way she have fucking. Like she cuts him off. The the the, 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 the casting director just cuts him off after like two lines come out. Aye, it's like your face. Aye, it's the. You know what I mean? Uh, it must be hard as an actor because he's acting, acting. Yeah, I mean, it's must yeah. be absolutely horrendous to do that. Aye, so he's got to act like a bad actor, which is brilliant. And another one we've not mentioned, <laughs> uh, Mr. Brad Pitt. Who's fucking yes. uh-huh. movie, but somehow is like still iconic. He's got about three or four lines. Uh, I would say that I don't know if you'll know this, but he was never given a line. All his stuff is ad libbed. Yeah, I, I'd read that before that he had no he, uh, meant, he had no lines in the original script. He was just meant to sit there and like hit his bong and be fucking baked. Um, and he ad libbed like a couple of lines, and mm-hmm. and they were all just all him. Uh, do you know, we actually never mentioned that, that he's got a scene with Gandalfini. We totally never mentioned that either. That Gandalfini comes down and obviously just gets all the info. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. They are like straight away. Um, oh, just, 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 as he's leaving, he's like, I might see you again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable, man. That's kind of going back to what you were saying, Bunsy, about uh, Christopher Walken and Dennis Hopper. Like, they've hardly in the movie. It's the same with Brad Pitt. Mm-hmm. performances. Yeah. Gary Oakman. They, they, they gave so much to basically so little. Like, mm-hmm. I wonder how they actually, how did they convince all these folk to be in these movies? I just didn't understand well, that. Well, on that, there's a bit of trivia that I'd read. So basically, I think Tony Scott was trying to get Gary Oldman involved. And he didn't have the script at this point. He just basically said, oh, you're playing this white guy who thinks he's a black guy who's also a pimp. And then Gary Oldman laughed and said, I'm in. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> in no context at all, just said, I'm in. It's very star-studded. It's like a huge ensemble mm-hmm. cast when you think about it. Uh, yeah. We've not even mentioned an absolutely massive star that's in it. Um, and he's not even credited as the person that he's meant to be playing oh, yeah. either. Oh, yeah. <laughs> as Elvis. Uh, and I wondered how the fuck that came about, and because he would have been a big star at that point as well. Aye, so again, on the trivia, he was wanting uh, the role of Christian Slater's role, and then thought he was getting in, and basically they dressed him up as fucking Elvis and made him be the mentor. <laughs> yeah, because you don't even really see his face. Or anything. They were no. they were refused the rights to use Elvis's image, so they had Aye. to change it to call him the mentor and not fully show him because they weren't allowed to. But they, they constantly mention them throughout the movie. No, 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 they sunglasses. I, 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 does that mean like 
references to him, but they just can't use There's a thing where the, the guy outside the diner or whatever it is is reading a, a, yeah. a music magazine or something like that. And Christian Slater obviously then starts talking about Elvis fanatics. The guy's just looking at him like, oh, you're yeah. a fucking Elvis fanatic, right? So it's clear who he's imitating, Bill Kilmer. But and I, even then, the they call their they call their son Elvis as well. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Elvis Aaron, Elvis Aaron, which is Elvis Presley's name. That's a great point you've just made there, uh, Dubs, as well. That the be- the best bit about that scene at the cafe where he's going on and on about Elvis and the guys like, "What the fuck's this guy going on about?" And he done it at the bar right at the start with the first woman too. He yeah, obviously loves But at the same time, it's cutting back to his missus getting smashed and battered by James Gandolfini. Yeah. So I, I, I love the contrast that he's just so kind of this mm-hmm. one, like, doesn't give a fuck in other places. Once made that point about the eggplant scene, like, they don't cut away from that scene at that point. But no. obviously, when uh, Trisha Arquette is getting fucked up, like, they obviously yeah. cut back and forth. That. I noticed that as well, that it was a weird dichotomy that there was a very funny scene happening. And at the same time, you're like, there's jeopardy here. Like, yeah. she's not going to make this, eh? Aye, so good, man. Fucking. Uh, I think that's a, that's testament to how good a, a movie is as well, right? Because I've watched this so many times, and that scene with her and James Gandolfini, right? I'm still sitting watching that, like, like through my fingers at points. You know what I mean? I'm like, I know what's going to happen. I've seen this I mean, an unbelievable amount of times. Yeah, I'm still like worried for like one of the main characters and like what the hell's going to happen to her here. But like, I think that just summed up how good it is. Like when you're convinced about these characters that you've taken out of your heart. Or the space of what to do, um, yeah. they're going to die, but in reality, they know what's going to happen. So, right, Kyle, come on. He's been eerily quiet. What is waiting for me to just come in and shit all over this movie? Yeah, Aye. he's not going to. Well, listen, there's when we get recommended movies constantly. You build up this expectation of how amazing it's going to be because you're constantly told by different people that it's really, really good. And this is a movie that I've put off for a long, long time because it's been painted in my head as being this utter masterclass of a movie. It's everyone's favourite movie. And uh, <laughs> it's just a bit meh. It's probably like. Especially if you're playing football manager and only watching it half at a time, John. <laughs> I knew you would expect me to have been doing that as well, but I did watch this movie with full attention. Um, but before I go on to talk a bit more, more about it, I just want to point out, guys, that it is my birthday coming up on the 28th of June. Uh, planning to go to the cinema, Livingston, might see Spider-Man. Just going to tell you exactly where I'm sitting, just in case you want to send me somebody along to, to meet me. I think this would be a really good way to treat me on my birthday, like <laughs> Clarence got on his birthday. Is this the cup? <laughs> At first, I thought you were wanting us to come with you, but now they're like, just after he slagged off yeah, the film that we've all made. <laughs> Do you know what? I actually did really enjoy it, guys. It was a really, it was, it was a good film. It was one of those ones. I was watching it, and I was like. I don't know if I'm following this plot properly and I wasn't thinking that the plot was particularly great but it was filled with really good actors that each of the scenes were really good and you've you've already mentioned multiple of them even the scene where she's sitting out wrapped up in the blanket after they've just spent the night together like Mm -hmm. you could just tell she'd like instantly invested in him he invested in her and she, she reveals everything to him because I, I watched it and I was a bit like, 
oh, this is a bit weird because his character transforms dramatically throughout the movie. Like he's a complete geek, mm-hmm. and he's yeah. a bit weird, and he's he's always himself. He doesn't look like he's got any pals, and you just felt sorry for him. And I was like playing a sympathy for him, and then he instantly turns into this thinks he's a gangster, he's a hard nut, and he's, like, super confident and over-aggressive. And he just changes dramatically, but yeah. you can see why, because he's just carrying this fantasy that he's going through that this is exciting to him, it's new, he's never had anything like this, and he's just jumped in with two feet. Yeah. But, again, what I would say on that, right, again, obviously, referring back to James Gandolfini's scene where he's talking about his first kill, how he felt sick, then you've got Christian Slater just rotting in with fucking two Big Macs and fucking chips in. No. <laughs> them, by the way, I'm starving. This is the best hamburger I've ever eaten. Right. And she's like turned on by it, which uh, is, yeah. that's what sort of their whole relationship builds on. I felt like, because you're saying that what you say is spawn kill, like he's a proper geek that works in a comic book store that loves going to kung fu movies. But then as soon as he's got this woman to protect, it's, I, I feel like it's a, he, he wants to prove that he can be this detector for her. I mean, he can be the one that she can rely on. And he just wanted to go and sort of prove that point. And then suddenly he's ended up with a cocaine by mistake. <laughs> That's it. You're fucking. It's very, the bit that go, really, I don't know why I found it, I found it too funny that his way to woo her, this really good looking blonde that's came in in nowhere and she's over the top flirting with him, the way to win her over was to show her. A first edition of Spider-Man comic. Just thought that's fun. Like, <laughs> why did you think that was going to work? But obviously, she was paid to be there. But he thought that it did work, and he thought he had all this charm. Um, I thought that was a great scene. The um, the eggplant scene was brilliant. Like, it's it, it builds up, doesn't it? It builds up and builds up, and you find yourself getting more and more invested in it. And it's one of those ones. And you mentioned Twelve Angry Men before Daniel. When I watched Twelve Angry Men, as you get throughout, you sit, throughout watching it, you find yourself sitting further and further towards the TV. And I found in this scene in particular, I found myself sitting up and paying attention and leaning forward and just watching it. And then it is a bit over the top with the the violence and the action in it. And that bit, I usually get lost a little bit. I prefer the story aspect of stuff. So like when they're talking or when they're developing the story, I prefer that to this the the killings and the shootings and all that kind of shit. So. That bit was a bit like, oh, it was a bit too much and felt Tarantino way. It felt very 80s, is probably the best way to describe it. Um, but no, I, only, I did all have good. I've, I've, all the notes that I've taken is about, about one of my notes. It's weird seeing Gary Oldman like this because I feel like he's been 65 for the last 20 years. He's always <laughs> just looked old to me. Well, that's in his name, eh? So. The. Excessively long winch that Patricia Arquette has with his dad is a bit weird. Oh, that's yeah. fucking hilarious. <laughs> it's like, so am I watching fucking Back to the Future here? What's going on? It's <laughs> <laughs> weird how that lingers, eh? It does linger yeah. for such a And then he says, Did he says, a comment after it as well about. Ah, he's, like, he's right, she does taste like peach. Son of a bitch was right, she does taste like a peach. It's funny. And Christian Slater isn't even really that bothered about it. No. He's almost like, I want my dad to know what I've got here. Like, I don't really give a shit. I've not really got a relationship. Do you know what I mean? So it's not like he's stepping on any toes. Yeah. But um, no, I really enjoyed it. When, when I was, I, I quite like watching a movie start and telling you all the cast that's in it because usually nowadays you're just straight into the movie then you need to sit and read all that at the end. I quite enjoyed it because 
it was one of those ones I'm looking, I'm like, shit, I don't know who that is. And then it was just more and more and more big, what are big names now that were popping up on the screen that may have not been as big at mm-hmm. that point. Because this is about seven or eight years before Sopranos. So James Gandolfini being in it, I was like, shit, that's class. And then I find myself researching it a little bit more, like looking into how big was he at the time. Oh, he wasn't that big. Neil was Brad Pitt. Like, they weren't yeah. all that big. No. It's a bit like when you go, I don't know, when you, you stick it an old uh, football match on and it's like the under 17s and all these players have now made it big. You're like, shit, they were all here at that yeah. one time. And there was just mm-hmm. a, it was just a really, if you look at the cast now, you'd think, Jesus Christ, that must be one of the most expensive films ever made. But back then, it's, mm-hmm. like, you can tell it's quite a light a, a, a budget for that. But nah, no, no much more to add, guys. I put Patricia Arquette, overshadowed Slater. Um, yeah. I've never been a big fan of him anyway, so... I can't really think you you guys have watched a lot more movies now than I have probably. So I don't really know what he's in. Christian Slater was like a really big deal during about this time, so the early to mid nineties. I think his big his biggest blockbuster was Robin Hood. Um so he plays Robin Hood in the old one Ken the old famous one. Right. Sense of Thieves or whatever it's called. The one with the dialogue. I was gonna say that. Um that one, and then after that, he just went off the rails. He was one of those like nineties Robert Downey Jr. types that. Just, oh uh, really? I don't know what what happened. If it was to do with him being difficult or whatever it was, they just stopped getting cast in films. Now he's like a. Robert Downey went to jail, did he not? Yeah, he, he really bad. Like he it's got here on IMDb that uh, Christian Slater's known for uh, the movies Very Bad Things, True Romance, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and Broken Arrow. Canada was the other big one at the time, I. So he was in all these big movies and then just disappeared and he was in nothing. Yeah. I told the Man Bass and Christian Slater story before, didn't I, when we did One Flew with the Cuckoo Thing? Uh, I I've, I've never I heard it. I've never heard it. sweaty t-shirt once. I went to see One Flew with the Cuckoo's Nest, the play dubs, and uh, Christian Slater was the star. He did the Jack Nicholson part. And he oh, chucked a sweaty shot into the crowd at the end. And I ended up almost in a fight with these three women for this shot by mistake. And then suddenly I realised what I was doing. I was like, why am I fighting over this man's fucking shot with these yeah. women? <laughs> uh, fucking funny, like. But he was brilliant in that, like. Absolutely amazing. Well, was he? Aye. Aye. Uh, outstanding. I loved it. Him and Mackenzie Cook was in it, playing Camille McPart. He was playing a few relatively famous folk within it. It came to Edinburgh. Fucking. Oh, I wonder who Mackenzie Cook was playing. Fucking hell. I can't remember what character he played. Um... He was at. They were the like a, Isn't there like a really? Isn't the guy from Back to the Future then? Um, was the Cuckoo's Yeah. Um, Diane DeVito was in it too. I know that. Martini has it called. Not. Aye, aye. I can't his name. But aye. Aye, So, oh, that's off topic. But um, I'm glad. I'm glad you liked this film, Kyle, because like I don't know. I knew it was all a ruse. What he was saying, all that shit. Oh, <laughs> I, 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 just don't, I don't see how anyone. I, I don't see how anyone couldn't enjoy this movie. That's what I was saying earlier. It's more like it's a fucking high concept or like there's man, there's name, real meaning behind it or anything like that. It's just a fucking enjoyable ride. Do you know what I mean? That's well, exactly. I think I would say even for as violent as it is, and Laura, the worst, like she hates anything that's over the top violent. But the fact that this is her favourite film, I just shows the yeah the, the everything that surrounds it, like. The performances, the story, the concept, the visuals, obviously, it's still, it is very late 80s, early 90s, that sort of neon sort of kind of bright stuff as well. And then, obviously, the performances, as I've said, and 
that's like that's, I guess there's something about I guess so it's kind of they're almost kind of you you've written for them all the way through the film you want them to get the happy ending because there were these two misfits that fell into yeah. this and then they still came out the other side uh-huh. But that's that's the genius of great writing. The yeah. fact that it's literally a two-hour movie invented like characters, yet you're sitting there like rooting for them and hoping that they come out at the other side. Yet really, it's <laughs> they're a figment of somebody's imagination. That's mm-hmm. yeah. genius. Yeah. I think oh, with this movie as well, it could just be it could be one of those movies that if you've watched it at a, a younger age closer to the time that it came out that you enjoy it a bit more. I don't think I'd put it anywhere near like a top movie for me. But watching it now in 2023, obviously, it's a long time since it was out. And you guys must have watched this, what, teens, early teens when you first seen it? No. I just feel like it was good, but I don't think it was great. It wouldn't be anywhere near a top list for me. There's several, I think it's a, a, a bad story, obviously, the plot's not the best, but some really good acting in it. Um, I think it misses quite a bit for it to be up on that pedestal being a great movie. I think this is one of those ones when you put the scores out, we'll definitely get the comments on the messages saying that this is a five, this is a zero, or this is a five, this is a one. Like I, I think it's either there or there or thereabouts for people. And you'll it be does. so there won't be any zeros or ones focused there. Nah, I would. Like obviously, I don't really want to give like scores away or, or that, but I actually found it difficult to score it, and I'll explain that uh, at the time. But no, I think this will be high across the board. To be honest, I just think it's a fucking fantastic movie. Well, does anyone else have things they want to chip in for this movie? Before we go to Tibia, just one thing: a character we've not mentioned yet. I don't think he even gets named. I think he does get named once in it, but the bodyguard with the ponytail. The fucking well, who, who is that? He gets called Boris. He gets called Boris. And he's just like, I fucking hate cops. And he's just a madman. And it could have all been quite calm. If, it was, if he was there, that scene would have been completely different. Yeah. Yeah. And this whole mm-hmm. character you know nothing about, he's the one that sparks everything into fucking chaos. When he first he comes in hot right from the get-go, like he's not happy about Christian Slater having a gun. Whereas yeah. obviously Lee Donowitz character's just like, ah, fuck it, Ken. Mm-hmm. Who cares if he's got a gun? Like, we're all friends here. But Boris isn't happy right off the bat when they've got fucking semi automatics and that. <laughs> then fucking, uh, he's not allowed a fucking water pistol, do you know what I mean? So right away he's like, he's on, he's on heat for the start, that guy, Boris. He seems like cocaine, dude, he's not. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He also stars in Robin Hood Men in Tights. Was that not the parody of Prince of Thieves? Yes. He, he plays Little John in the Robin Hood Men in Tights. That's funny. <laughs> Little John. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hunter, let's get some trivia. Unless anybody wants to have more to say, if Sean wants to jump in there, more comments on it. Uh, no, I'll, I'll try to jump in a few times, but I just kind of got a word in. But I was just going to say... <laughs> Uh, on you, Kyle, how you said like at Disney, like, uh, this definitely to me feels like a cult, like hit film. At Disney, it, I've, I've only seen it twice, and obviously I'd never heard it until Dubs had recommended it uh, during lockdown. But it, even watching it uh, last week, it, it does feel like a heavy cult film. But like, it, 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 it was really good. Like if I went on the street now and stopped on and said, "Have you seen True? Have you, have, have you seen True Romance?" 
they've probably seen more. What's that? I find that it's probably not a mainstream movie. Definitely not. Because um, that exact conversation, Sean, I've had that loads of times. Because any time I get recommended, oh, recommend me a film. This is always one of the ones I recommend to folk. And I know that one of the reasons I do it is ninety nine percent of folk go, oh, I've never even heard of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a good, um, it's a good like opener for someday. Like, do you know what I mean? Because it's one where you would, they'll be like, ah, fucking hell, I've never even heard of that before. And then, like Kyle was saying, like when you see the cast and you're like, ah, fuck me, how have I missed this one? It's almost just because, I don't know, it wasn't really that pushed that hard or marketed heavily or whatever, I'm not sure. But I fucking underrated. Without this movie, probably wouldn't have more on reviewing movies because with this sparked a little interest for Burnsy into movies. So we maybe do have two romance to thank for the birth of more on reviewing movies. Second of its name. Definitely. Because yeah. after that, we started Movie Club, right after Bonzi watched that film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. It's all come full circle because Dubs was then invited into it, and then fucked off and never come back. Two years later, down the line, here he is, two weeks in a row. But it's interesting that you should say that, actually, because mm-hmm. I did, uh, before we agreed, um, what was it, Memento and uh, Manchester by the Sea, I, I kind of kept keeping an eye out for if he's going to do true romance, and I kind of mentioned that a few times to you guys, like, various occasions like when he's watching that when he's reviewing it because i wanted to come on for that movie that was going to be like my debut appearance because it's just like <laughs> a stone cold classic yeah we are you're getting your hat trick ball as they would say on soccer eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah fucking regular these days eh sick of the same game <laughs> when he's recording traffic then next week We'll need well, traffic, traffic will be the next movie that comes up on to be reviewed, but we'll uh, watch that this week and get it in time for review next week. But Hunter, let's jump to some trivia. Uh, we've dragged on the people for nearly 50 minutes into listening to this recording. They'll be sick of us, they'll be wanting the scores. Let's get this wrapped up. All right, so my first point you've already written off maybe the Hope and Road thing with the two films. <laughs> uh, so second one is, although this film was not directed by Tarantino, it's still considered part of the Tarantino universe. The first clue is that Lee Donowitz is actually the grandson of Sergeant Donnie Donowitz from Inglorious Bastards. Oh. And the second piece is that Mr. White in Reservoir Dogs mentions working with a girl named Alabama. All right. What's that? He does that in a few of his movies. Um, yes. Thing, uh, the Volta's character in Pulp Fiction is meant to be um, the guy's brother from Reservoir Dogs. Right. Yeah. And they, were, they, they had in the works they were going to do a movie about those two. And I'm believe. sure, I forgot to note it down, but I'm sure there was also, it's no been confirmed as a direct link, but there's something that links this to Kill Bill Volume 1 as well. I think it's maybe a line that Uma Thurman's character says is something from this film as well. That's quite cool, though, because I know I'm sure you mentioned the trivia at the time for Les War Dogs that the reason that movie with the two brothers never got made was by the time. Tarantino had the funding for it. They were too old. Uh, that was that, it, yeah. Too old. Um, and he, he, they just scrapped the whole idea. Because he didn't want to get different actors to play them. Mm-hmm. So that was it. Uh, speaking of too old, we'd just like to do a big morons uh, shout out. Congratulations to Al Pacino on his new baby. And De Niro. And De Niro. Fuck De Niro. That's not a child. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> did. Exactly. Let's face it, there was no... That was the artificial insemination. There was no pumping going on in the day at all. Congratulations to 150 year old Al Pacino. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's done with a turkey baster. <laughs> uh, point of what I hear, so Harvey Weinstein had thought that Christian Slater was too good looking to play Clarence and told one of others that he would rather have someone like Steve Buscemi as a wee photo confidence. What? <laughs> Fucking hell. Uh, played a part. One of others immediately fired him for this request. So Harvey went up to Tarantino and told him that they were going that they are going to be partners and not associate with Warner Brothers after this film. So that's weird. The track's weird if you ask me with Weinstein and fucking Tarantino. Um, so this movie is what spawned Weinstein getting in bed with Tarantino, which really started him having three reign over all his movies. Yep. Wild. Tarantino's going to be the next one exposed, isn't he, Sean? Uh, probably, aye. Well, it's it's everywhere on the internet that he's a fucking wrong in, so... <laughs> Yeah, he's obviously he's got off a wee bit scot free with all that stuff, hasn't he, Quentin? It's just kind of like the new everyone knows what he knew, but it's just kind of gets away with it. It's, ah, it's not acceptable. Yeah, it? It, was, it was tighter with Weinstein than anybody else. Like him and Weinstein were the closest to the area after yeah, the next combination. Yeah. It was on it was on Joe Rogan after the Weinstein things came out and he was defending him. Yeah, was I've seen that one as well. Uh, Oh. It just all seems to go under the radar just because he's kind of well regarded in the film business. But with that and all the kind of like the foot fetish and all that, he's just look, he's not for me. Like, I was just going to say, I do think that Tarantino is like fairly severely autistic or something. There's something no right about him. He has no, he's not wired up the same as other people. Oh. Like, it's to come oh. up with all the stuff that he comes up with, the way that he does it, yeah. and all, his brain can't be wired the right way. I was actually going to say that. Sorry if I'm not to step over your trivia again, but um, there's lines in this movie. Um, uh, they say twice, um, something's got to be rotten in Denmark. Yeah. Like, I've never heard that before. Me neither. And obviously, when you look into the trivia as well, there's a couple of lines in Pulp Fiction, I think, uh, uh, Marcellus Wallace, I'm going to get medieval on his ass. Or. I'm going to bust a cap in his ass. I don't think they'd ever been used before, those phrases, and that they've now become like common parlance. And right. it's, it's going into what you're saying, Daniel, about uh, having that sort of a school is to come up with these hip lines. Like uh, Patricia Slater in True Romance Day calls uh, Patricia Arquette's character a four alarm fire as well. It's like, <laughs> where the fuck does this shit come from? <laughs> it's mental, man. I, I watched a. Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm doing exactly the same thing and jumping on you, but. I watched an interview with Tarantino before and they were talking about all these little things that have become pop culture because of him. So they asked him, like, what is the thing that you've done most, that you're most proud of that's become part of the culture? And he said it's a slow motion walk music that's been copped. So he basically, the music by Kill Bill where it goes when they're doing the big slow motion walk. He's like, that's now become the music for every slow motion walk that ever exists, whether it's like for the X Factor to Team America, yeah. they do it. Kung Fu Panda does it. Like it's because it's, it's, it's any similar to what I'm saying. It's something that's just made its way into culture when it was really kind of him that came up with it to an extent. Right. right, I've got a final few points here. Uh, the first day of shooting, it became clear that Christian Slater and director Tony Scott had different idea had different ideas on how to play Clarence. So uh, Tony Scott gave Slater a copy of Taxi Driver and told him to go home and watch it as homework. 
Uh, on the trivia section of the DVD special, it features reports that Quentin Tarantino sold the script for about $10,000. With this money, he purchased a red Chevy convertible that Vincent Vega used in Pulp Fiction. Wow. Invest his money back in then. Yes. And the final bit now, this one I didn't actually have to research for. I had it up here as knowledge. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Patricia Arquette's uh, closing monologue at the end when she's sitting on the beach was actually used by Paolo Nettini on his latest album on the song called Afterneath. And the film is also the inspiration for the track Robbers by the 1975. So if you haven't listened to them, go give them a listen, kids. Nice. People people be stealing stealing your trivia now, Hunter. Exactly. Well, I just just want to add one bit in there. Uh, I was just finding it there now when I listened to it earlier. So the um, the movie that Tarantino done called My Best Friend's Birthday was the inspiration for this movie, where he actually stars in it and he plays a character called Clarence. And it says here it's Mickey's birthday and his girlfriend just left him, so his best friend Clarence shows him a birthday he'll never forget, which. Uh, was a precursor to making True Romance. So Tarantino actually tried to get it out as a big movie himself. But yeah. One Daniel can add to the list of movies that he's meant to be watching additional. So how did you get on with uh, Joe and his volcano? I've still not seen it, right? But I was going to keep this till the end to talk about it because I've still not watched it because I've added another, I'm adding another one that I'm only going to watch that I didn't expect you to watch, right? But it's got Gary Oldman and Patricia Arquette in it. And I just... Um, my mate Dean, a few years ago, he said, oh, have you ever seen this movie, Tiptoes, with Patricia Arquette and Gary Oldman in it? I was like, and it's got Matthew McConaughey in it, hey? I was like, nut. I looked up the plot. <laughs> the plot is this woman meets Matthew McConaughey and they get engaged, right? And she then goes to meet all his family and his full family are midgets. Gary Oldman plays a midget. Like, all these folk play, like, tiny little midgets. And I've the whole Aye, the whole movie is hard being like, oh my god, is my baby going to be a midget? That's the whole plot of the fucking film. So now I'm, I'm fucking here this. Gary Oldman, Peter Dinklage, Kate Beckinsale, Matthew McConaughey, Patricia Arquette. It's a good cast. What about the movie when he plays Churchill? Has anyone seen that? I'm guessing no. Gary Oldman, no. No for me. British history stuff, just no for me, man. Like, I've still not seen nah, the kid. Only... Yeah, any of that shit. The only reason, the only reason I'm asking about it is because I think there's a bit where he's on the. To be the only one underground or something like that, and apparently it's one of the worst scenes in movie history. He's got some sort of monologue or something that he comes out with, and it was just so obviously like made up, like something that he definitely never said. Churchill was obviously known for, amongst other things, being like quite a good orator and stuff like that. And apparently, there's a scene in it that he just rambles absolute shite on that tube or something like that. Uh, I was hoping somebody had seen it because apparently it's really embarrassing and bad. Oh, no, no, see that. Well, Daniel, you enjoyed your 4.3 rated tiptoes, which came out in 2002. Unbelievable. Well, listen, let's let's get to the score. And now we'll have rabbited on an awful lot about true romance. Uh, Burns, you did pick it. You get to go first. Five. <laughs> well, <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> Kel's just walked away in disgust there. <laughs> yeah, like I said earlier on, I was kind of uh, I brushed on this that it's a it's a hard movie to rate because your scoring system obviously it's it's either five or four point seven five, and I don't want to give this movie a four point seven five. I think it's an insult. 
But if it was a max out of a hundred, I wouldn't give it a yeah. hundred out of a hundred. If uh-huh. that makes sense, Do you know what I mean? Like, I think there are better films than this, but yeah, it has to be a five for enjoyment, writing, um, acting. Um, the plot, obviously, I did brush upon. The plot is a wee bit over the top. The way it ends is a wee bit over the top. Um, some there's a lot of violence as well, but I don't think it takes away from the experience. So, a hundred percent. Five out of five. Five, five. Daniel? Uh, this is going to be three fives. This is in my <laughs> top five. This is in my top five favourite movies of all time. And exactly. I, I feel the same way. So the other ones are giving fives too, which is very few and far between. This, I enjoy this more than most of those, so it needs to be a five. I think it's perfect for what it is. Sean? Uh, sorry, guys. I'm, I'm going to bring it down just a wee notch. I'm going to give it a 4.5 Yes, that'll do <laughs> A 4.5 Hunter? I was thinking the same as Dub was It was kind of like If there was a possibility to give this a 4.85 Or a 4.9 So I had initially scored it a 4.75 But I need to face it There's got to be some reference to this film In my house When I move in, so it needs to be a 5 Can I say any further than that? <laughs> Hale's now like frantically adjusting his score a wee bit yeah. from 1.5 to 2 or something no, I just <laughs> want to be out with that you said <laughs> at one point you really enjoyed this movie you flattered back and forth so much yeah you did yeah. so no, I, I, I did enjoy it um, I wouldn't rush to watch it again that quick I probably would watch it again a couple of years down the line. Uh, I'd watch Moneyball five times over before yes, I watch this. Oh, no. oh, oh shut up. Love Moneyball. <laughs> they were, oh. You see, in a week, you'll have forgotten what's happened in this film. It'll be like the first time watch all over again. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, might, I might forget I've even scored it and watched it. Um, I don't think it's anywhere near a five. Um, I had I actually came in with a lower score than what I'm going to give it. And I have been... Yeah, I just said that. You were going to do that. <laughs> with the way these have uh, the You're way shot. it and like I say shot. I did enjoy it but it's not any better than a 3.5 What was the lower score you were going to give it? I was thinking at 3 I think I thought it was just a middle of the road three, 2.5 to 3 I'll give it to a 3.5 You've definitely shot it just because of the what Instagram that is. That's <laughs> terrible man. What have you got? No, no, no I, listen I'm, I'm happy to listen to your opinions and remember bits and get excited again by it. I don't think that I should just be closed off to... I think that's totally fair. Manchester by the Sea, I came in with a score and I changed mine by the time we were discussed. That's that's what movies are about, man. But there's little bits that you guys bring yeah, up. Like, yeah, actually, I did laugh at that because I've not mm-hmm. taken as much intensive notes and wrote that I scored at that point based on it. You, you bring up parts from like, shit, I forgot about Samuel L. Jackson's scene. Mm-hmm. But actually, that was really funny. The whole engagement was really good. So that has to then spark up a little bit for me. I just feel that it was just a bit too over the top in a lot of different places for me to enjoy, but it becomes personal taste at that point. Hi, right, man. Mm-hmm. I'm happy with that. Lock me in. Burnsy, have you been able to do the maths yet? Aye, it was a lot of really high there. Um, that was a 4.67 overall. A 4.67. Any ideas where you think that'll bring this in, guys? Top uh, five. Five. <laughs> It's top five. 
I'm gutted though because it's just slightly above Spider Man No Way Home. (laughs) 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 So, this movie now knocks Spider Man out of the top five. This comes in at fourth, just overtaking Parasite, but just behind 12 Angry Men and The Shining. Good place for it, I would say. I'm fairly happy with that. I think if you'd given it a four, Kyle, we probably would have had a new top movie. If you'd been a wee bit more generous, then we would have, would have had it, but that's fair. Uh, what's your top movie? It's Goodfellas, isn't it? Yeah, so the top the top half, basically, I'm not saying top half, that's a lot of movies. The top section's got Goodfellas, 12 Angry Men, The Shining, now I'll have True Romance, Parasite, Spider-Man, No Way Home, Silence of the Lambs, The Green Mile, Seven, and then one that should never be anywhere near it, but No Country for Old Men is now 10th. I've got to say, okay. as much as I love Spider-Man, that just sticks out like a sore thumb in amongst the whole thing. I said that at the time. I said that at the time. You watch it again and it'll slide, slide, slide. I think because it, it was at the cinema that you gave you, you, you felt it was better than what it was. I think that was a big issue. I've right? totally that, always, when I watched Joker, when I watched Joker at the cinema, Right. I was absolutely yeah. blown away with it. Right. And I've watched it again yeah. since, and I was like, oh my god, I, I must have been in a fucking trance through that movie because I didn't yeah. it at all. Well, we discussed it's that. Weird on... how that happens. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know it's why. Same thought as you. When we did the Joker for this, I think before watching it, we probably all have had it high fours or fives, like, yeah. before watching it again. And then we all came in with like threes. Like, well, I did one of us, I took a dive in a second view and like, Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and then they'll do another one. Yeah, like, that'd be shit. Honestly, honestly, That'd be I mean, bad. It's, 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 run for the hills with the reviews that we got from the first one. They're not going to get fucking any higher. You know what I mean? No. I'll be scoring it then. <laughs> well, guys, that does uh, bring us to the end of a quite well debated movie of True Romance. Is this the longest podcast ever? Uh, they used to be about two hours long before we dropped them into one movie. I think this might be the longest single movie that we've done uh, for a uh, That's what I mean for a single uh, picture. I also, but, probably the longest that we've not even rambled off on a separate tangent that's swallowed up the majority. That's true, actually. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I've got three pages of notes here. Like, <laughs> I, I've actually just not bothered talking about half the shit because I feel like I've kind of rambled on enough. I, I feel like it, it might wreck the podcast about talking about it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I just want to say a big thanks to Dubs coming on to join us again. He had requested for this one and we were more than welcome to have him back after the storming performance we got from the downloads from his last appearances. If you are listening to it, we have we will have broke over the five thousand downloads by this point. We're literally two downloads away from hitting five thousand. So thank you to those that have downloaded, those that are listening. Um if you could share our podcast with your friends on your socials that would be amazing and also if you could review the podcast as well we've got quite a few fives been popping up in the reviews recently so like Burns has been making multiple accounts all his, his tinder account and stuff is all <laughs> into it now but thank you very much share it on his facebook his new bed sheets are looking great <laughs> That history Facebook post is one of the funniest things that's happened in a long time for me. Like, I really think it's hilarious. I was sitting on my own, like, howling, pissing myself off. I a screenshot of a bed for Amazon. Like, fucking hilarious, man. Posted on Instagram. Guys, I'm trying to close us out here. No more stories. Let me close us out. Let's... Oh, <laughs>
bank that one for next week. Uh, <laughs> but Doves, we will welcome you back at anything that you want to jump on. Uh, thank you very much for, for being here and taking part. And not letting us speak. <laughs> I can tell. Every time I'm on one of my rants, I, I can just have a wee look round the, the clock and I can just see he's all fucking like fall asleep and nah. he's away in the room. Side eyes. Half the time. I've left a couple of times and just let you at it. Right. Just fucking send us a link next time and don't bother you coming on it. Pretty <laughs> <laughs> the day off. But guys, as Morans do, bid you farewell. You're no, so funny. Oh. With the, I was waiting for the time. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs>